Hello, everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when The Office actually ended, because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host. With me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hey, everybody. This week, we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 19, Safety Training. In this episode, The Office undergoes safety training. Everyone is betting on things... And Michael has a very bad idea. This episode starts off with the cold open where we see Andy coming back, officially, I guess. We did see him in the previous episode show up at the very end and then get pepper sprayed by (laughs) Dwight. So we see him bringing his things back in and he's really trying hard to kind of put in practice the things that he had learned at anger management training. I just want to point out that when he arrived at anger management, he said that he was going to graduate early, and it appears that he did. It was a 10-week program, and he said he'd been in anger management for five weeks. He also let everyone know that he's got some new techniques for dealing with the, quote, grumpies. And he's got a new name. He wants to go by Drew, to which Jim refuses to call him that. This is kind of a dick move on Jim's part. (laughs) It very much is. He's just like, nope, I'm not going to call you that. Like, he didn't, he's not asking him to call him, like, Thrasher or some, (laughs) you know, some nickname that he gave himself. He's just asking to be called a different A different version of the name he already has. Right. His name is Andrew. He used to go by Andy. He's trying to refashion himself into just a calmer individual. And it's just, it's really, this whole episode um, is a nice time capsule of 2007 when it aired. It aired in April 2007. Because... The thought of Andy going to anger management and learning essentially meditation is now like a billion dollar plus industry in 2020. Meditation, yoga, calm mind, calm spirit is essentially people's self-care Sunday. Yeah, this is, I mean, companies provide this for their employees in certain industries now. Like in-house, you can go. You can go meditate. You can go do some yoga and just kind of take a break from your work day. Which meditation and breathing exercises and just uh, inward observational strategies are great practices. And they do help with if you have an anger problem or a reaction problem. And one of the strategies Andy talks about in response to Jim is, okay, cool I can only control my actions I can't control what you do uh so it's just funny that Andy's character is playing that up for laughs similarly Dwight wants nothing to do with Andy and that makes sense based off of Andy's prior actions towards Dwight so Dwight has decided that he will shun Andy it turns out shunning is Actually, it's a real Amish practice, by the way, but it is an Amish practice, and Dwight says it's like slapping someone with silence. He himself was shunned from the ages of three until his sixth birthday because he didn't save the excess oil from a can of tuna. 
Jim takes the opportunity of Dwight's shunning of Andy to deliver messages to Andy that clearly were not there that Andy can hear. They're all standing right by the desk clump. And Jim, yeah, is just taking this moment to be kind of a real jerk uh, to Andy and Dwight. (laughs) The shunning of Andy continues on through the entire episode, I will say. Um, But Dwight doesn't keep him shunned. He will unshun him to answer a question, tell him something, and then re-shun him. So essentially, he's not being shunned. Yeah, he's picking and choosing the times he, he wants to stick to the rules here. And I will say this episode, and even kind of stretching back a little bit to some aspects of the prior episode, the negotiation, this is the golden stretch of season three, in my opinion. We hit a real crescendo to close out the season. And now watching this again in the lens of 2020, in the lens of like mental health awareness and actually helping people. It's sort of a cringe episode and we'll talk about some of those things, but it it is there's some real good one-liners in here. The focus of this episode is the safety training that all of the employees have to go through. And we learn from Daryl that the warehouse has to do safety training every single year or after an accident happens and he shares that they have never made it a full calendar year without having to do the safety training so they've never had to just do it yearly it's always come up before that year time and we learn that this specific safety training was brought upon by an incident in the warehouse we do safety training every year or after an accident. We've never made it a full year. This particular time, I was reaching for a supply box on the top shelf when one office worker, who shall remain nameless, kicked the ladder off from under me and yelled, Hey, Daryl, how's it hanging? <laughs> and I fell and busted my ankle. I'm legitimately scared for my workers. And Michael says that... Toby is going to be leading the safety training for the office workers. And just because Michael's a jerk to Toby, he's like, it's going to be boring and terrible. So I'm going to kind of give the workers a little bit of a surprise and just kind of something fun. So they go down to the warehouses safety training to watch that. Even though the safety training in the warehouse should apply to no one except it actually does apply to Michael because he's the one that goes down there and wrecks havoc and causes the issue and caused the accident to Daryl which the legal implications of all that are numerous. So Daryl is explaining to the office workers that under no circumstances should the office workers be using the heavy machinery down there, most specifically the forklift and the baler. And Michael is continuing to just interrupt Daryl's presentation. And Daryl isn't even saying like, okay, here's how this works. And here's how you should like it for his own employees. Like proper knowledge is like, Hey, here's how this works. You can't use this thing within 
10 feet of this other thing, stuff like that. He is literally only saying nobody here except for the people that are licensed to use it should use these things. And Michael is continuously up interrupting and saying, well, I can do that. Like basically saying he's the exception to the rule. And Daryl is repeatedly saying, no, that's not the case. Daryl even goes so far to just say, specifically calling out Michael. The upstairs workers, Michael should not be using this. And Michael is like, okay, only on the rarefications or, you know, but it wouldn't be so bad. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if once in a while, and Daryl's like, no, it is the worst thing in the world. This is serious stuff. You don't touch it. The safety training for the upstairs workers is much more tame. Uh, It's pretty dull. Toby is not the most exciting individual, and Michael's sort of right. He he's kind of boring. None of it really pertains to the warehouse workers, but Michael has made them attend for some reason. And really the biggest dangers, quote unquote, to the office workers are carpal tunnel, poor circulation from constant sitting, and eye strain. And after describing every possible danger, Toby says, you should really take about a 10-minute break every hour. Michael worries that people are going to be taking, you know, 30-minute breaks, not realizing that if you just get up, go go grab a cup of coffee, get some more water, go to the bathroom, like just take a quick break, get that blood flowing, that should really suffice. And Michael's getting really agitated because there's nothing cool or dangerous like a baler or a forklift. There's nothing that really is all that serious so he grabs the training manual from toby and is flipping through it and he realizes okay well seasonal affective disorder that can really uh really wreak havoc with people and then you have heart disease you most people that are sitting all day they would be termed to have a sedentary lifestyle that could be a factor for heart disease and so he sort of latches on these things that probably have other factors besides just working in in an office just sitting all day although sitting is really bad for you all day as we're learning more about that which kind of sucks so michael does have a point here in explaining that there are things that have to do with working in an office setting that lead to more serious things and he says to Daryl, you know, depression and suicide kills more people than a bailer every single year. But as, you know, as you said, like the, these aren't, they're not as sexy as, you know, you could get your arm chopped off in this machine. And it is kind of like the long-term slow burn things that happen in, in the office setting. And so the warehouse guys are starting to make fun of Michael in that, you know, it's not dangerous at all in the office. It's, you know, it's a pretty cush life up there compared to what they do in the warehouse. The difference between being a warehouse worker and being a salesman or an accountant or someone in the upstairs office is pretty striking 
because they're doing physical labor in the warehouse. They're loading trucks. They're moving heavy loads around, whereas quite literally they're pushing paper in the upstairs. There's not really much to it. And so Michael just hates not being in on something cool. He, you know, you could see it when he was down in the warehouse and we've talked about it a lot. He is a child. He's fascinated by this machinery. And that's really, I mean, that's elementary school age boys typically of like, oh, a bulldozer or a dump truck or a garbage truck. Like that is cool to them. And Michael has not outgrown that. But he also, as we've talked about, you know, ad nauseum in several episodes, he has to be cool and he has to be in the group. And so to be really put down by Daryl and Lonnie and the other warehouse workers as like, you don't have to risk anything. And Daryl says, you have a, a nerfy life sitting on your biscuit. You never have to risk it sort of thing. Just it doesn't sound good when I say it. I feel like it was that was probably one of those things that Daryl tries to get Michael to say that <laughs> he tries to make Michael sound cool, but really it's it's not it's something lame. That, yeah. Something like a kindergarten teacher is saying. Right. And so Michael really takes this all personally. He is just kind of sitting and stewing in his office and he has Pam come in and just be like, Do you think that I live this nerf life? And Pam makes a big mistake here. She is trying to reassure him. She essentially says that the warehouse's dangers felt more real because you could see it. You could see the baler. You could see the forklift. And this turns on a light bulb in Michael's head. He's like, visual aids, got it. You're, you're right, Pam. And he begins to hatch a plan to somehow visually show the effects of depression. And I'm going to just take one quick step back, because this is one of my favorite quotes here from Michael. As he's stewing, he tells the camera that, you know, Daryl thinks he's such a man because he works in a warehouse. But I used to work in a warehouse, men's warehouse. <laughs> oh, God. We don't often go to men's warehouse, uh, Curtis and myself. But when we do, that quote comes out. Michael gives an example of, you know, what he'd have to say. He says, hi, I'm Michael. We have a sale on khaki pants today. Just one example of the customer service he's providing and yeah he's still not understanding the difference in a warehouse w-a-r-e and warehouse w-e-a-r that there are real dangers here and like curtis says he hatches this plan and he enlists dwight uh to help him out with this and he's going to come up with his own visual aid to demonstrate how working in an office could lead to depression, which could possibly lead to suicide. So Michael sends Dwight off to the big box toy store and Dwight returns with a trampoline and Michael lays out this big presentation that he is planning on making where 
he is standing on the roof and basically just talking about how sad he is and he will then jump off and everybody's going to get super worried about him and what they won't know or see is that the trampoline will be set up on the other side of like the hedges that are there and he will land safely on the trampoline according to plan and then he will come back out and basically be like now you know basically in your face to the warehouse guys yeah which a trampoline is like one of the most dangerous things you could possibly put in your yard but seeing the height from the roof to the trampoline is sort of getting Michael nervous. He tells Dwight to get some watermelons and they're going to test it out Letterman style. You know, they only measured it once and Dwight's like, what do you want? We already measured it. Like, this is going to be fine. Let's just do this. So they do these tests. And the thing is now a watermelon's going to weigh a little bit less than Michael, but the you're picking up speed as gravity does its work and you're not landing softly on the trampoline. It's sending you right off. If it doesn't snap. Yeah. If the coils don't snap in the first place. Yeah. Trampolines. Oh man. So Michael's next idea is one of those bouncy castles um, that you see at children's birthday parties, which are also supposed to be actually incredibly dangerous. So Dwight gets Andy, he unjuns Andy, gets Andy to call and get a bouncy castle that has a drawbridge. And Michael will, instead of jumping to the trampoline, he's just going to jump to the bouncy castle. And Dwight tells him that when he's landing, he needs to land like an eight-year-old because these bouncy castles really aren't designed for adults. So the stage is set for Michael's demonstration. And Dwight runs into the office and tells everybody that Michael is acting really weird and he's outside and that Dwight thinks that everybody should go out there to see what's going on. And Andy plays a little part in this as well. Like they they have this very clear script that they are running through in order to get everybody outside. So everybody runs outside and Michael is on the roof and he is just talking about how sad he is and he says he's depressed and Dwight's like isn't that just another word for being bummed out and they're going through the skit to which Michael responds Dwight you ignorant slut so they're going through the skit and Michael realizes the warehouse guys aren't there so he stops everything, tells Dwight to go get the warehouse guys. Every, they all come out. And so they start the bit all the way over from the beginning, saying the same things over again. Verbatim, Michael saying, oh, my life, the stress of my modern office has me depressed. Dwight does his spiel again. And people are rightfully saying this is just offensive. And at this point, I'd like to ask you, Curtis... Do you find this offensive? I don't think they are making fun of depression here. No. I I don't find it offensive. No, they're not taking it seriously, though. It's, it again is the like early to mid 2000s. 
we did not take mental health seriously as just a need to take care of for people in that time. You know, seeing a therapist or tending to your mental health was sort of taboo. Um, Only now, I think, have people been okay with just being open about you know, seeking therapy, seeking some psychology. And it's different from saying, oh, I take a bunch of, bunch of Xanax. Like, not that that's inappropriate if prescribed to you, but it's more of a, I tend to this aspect of my life, just like my physical health. Like, just like I go to the gym, I do these things. And that's more of a tenant. And so I think here, and especially suicide, um, I think that is really mistreated in this episode and I'm looking at it from the lens of 2020. I didn't really notice that until I would say recently just because other television shows, movies, um, I'm thinking of for example 13 Reasons Why on Netflix. I didn't see it but apparently it was popular with teenagers but it also sort of idealized suicide and led to increased numbers of suicide which is absolutely terrible now I don't think this episode is necessarily leading toward that it's not idealizing it or anything but it's not taking it seriously as someone that's going through depression and maybe suicidal ideation is really suffering and I think what kind of keeps the show from maybe not taking it seriously is that they are only focusing on the work aspect of it. Like somebody being in a job that they don't like or that is boring or whatever can certainly add on to someone's depression or, you know, be kind of be one piece of that. But I can't imagine too many people can have a pretty good life elsewhere. And then the only thing that's not great in it is their job and that they are suicidal because of that like there is more to it than that and I think that that is where this episode kind of is on the safe side of this debate in that they are strictly looking at the job aspect of it like Michael saying that it's a direct line yes it's completely ridiculous that a sedentary job is equals depression like that is they are at no point does Michael say anything about anything other than his work life in this situation so and i do agree with you though that this episode would probably be handled a little bit differently in 2020 there would probably be some be some sort of you know after episode message yeah where they would say i was thinking that we recognize that depression is no laughing matter if you or someone you know is dealing with depression and it's having trouble here's you know here's a hotline they can call here's the suicide hotline they could call things like that yeah and i think one of the things we've learned uh in the in the intervening years is depression can be chemical there can be a chemical makeup of your brain that's leading that or it can be sort of situational you can have an event happen uh that's leading you to that and it's sort of there's recovery either way um and like curtis said perhaps your job is contributing but michael's just thinking 
okay, we sit all day, it's sedentary, we can have seasonal affective disorder because we live in Pennsylvania, ergo depression to suicide. Like he's drawing, like I said, a straight line. So with the warehouse workers there and the start of the second performance, and as Jim tells the camera, they really they really picked up their stride uh, in, the, in the second performance. Creed is taking that this moment uh, to just relieve himself on the bushes outside. And that's when he sees the turrets of the bouncy castle. And he's like, oh, hey, look, everybody, there's this bouncy castle. And Dwight, and that's what stops the performance by Michael is people run over there and Jim's looking at it and he's like, oh, huh. And then Pam is the one that realizes it first. She looks up, kind of sees the angle here, sees where Michael is facing. And she's like, oh my God, he's going to jump off of the roof onto this castle. And so Jim and Pam kind of have to come together here to quote unquote save Michael, to talk him out of this really dumb idea. Yeah, Jim makes the point that Michael's going to kill himself by trying to fake kill himself and they are trying all these things to get Michael down Pam says that she has a present for him and it's a surprise and he has to come down and get it and Michael believes her and is like ask Dwight Dwight to find out what the present is and it actually comes to Daryl to save the day here and Daryl apologizes for calling Michael's life soft and tells Michael, hey, you got a lot to live for. You you shouldn't do this. And Michael's like, and Michael is just like, okay, yeah, like what? And it does take Daryl a little bit of time to find out, to think of something that Michael has to live for. And he falls on Jan. And... Michael starts talking about the doubts that he has about he and Jan's relationship. Which we haven't heard from Michael before. Yeah. And then eventually Daryl just turns to flattery and says, it's, it's tough to be you. You know, you, you're, you're so brave to just get up every day and be you. And my favorite part of this is he is making Michael feel better while simultaneously making fun of Michael. <laughs> it's like a backhanded compliment. Like, it's so hard to be you. Yeah. You specifically. He's like, I couldn't handle this. <laughs> and that's what really does flatter Michael. Matt, Michael is so susceptible to flattery, to anyone's opinion, really. And when Daryl says that Michael is braver than Daryl is, that's really what does it. And it's also kind of going back to that Michael needing to be cool thing because it's Daryl who is like the cool guy in Michael's eyes saying, I couldn't be you. like, And so it's like, oh, the cool guy thinks that I have a tough life. That means I must be cool too. So Michael climbs down and everyone weirdly gives him a round of applause. And I mean, people are glad that he's safe and there weren't any injuries, but 
that sort of leads to this inflated sense of self to Michael. And at the end of the episode, he has this one-on-one with the camera. And he says, I saved a life today. My own. Am I a hero? I can't say. But yes. Yes, I'm a hero. And so he just is sort of blind to his own making of the situation, his contribution to it, and how stupid and dangerous the plan was from the start, how he was essentially goaded into being his own hero by Daryl and Lonnie saying, you're lucky in some regards that you don't have to worry about injury, even that even overuse injuries in the sense of like aches and pains, if you will, from doing physical labor day in and day out. Um, I sort of think that Curtis can attest to that whenever I do work in the yard or anything, I'm like, oh my God, I am delicate. I'm not used to physical labor. I'm out there for an hour and I've already got blisters or my back's already hurting or whatever. And so that has to be a completely different, uh, feeling to be doing eight plus hours of manual labor like that. That's a different work. If you have ever been through a work training, you know that they can get pretty boring. Even the warehouse training of this thing can kill you would still probably be pretty boring. So some of the office workers have found ways to entertain themselves while all this is going on. And it starts when Daryl asks the, the group at large, but most specifically Michael, how many people do you think get killed by the bailer every single year? Not that specific bailer, but the it all the bailers, yes. And Kevin says, I bet you it's more than 50. To, to, to Jim. To Jim. And Jim's like, yeah, all right, I'll take that. And it turns out to be 10, so Jim wins. And Kevin's getting ready to pay up, and Jim's like, no, don't worry about it. We'll just find something else to bet on, and you can go double or nothing. And this kind of piques Oscar's interest as well. So as the day goes on, we see the office workers betting on on a number of activities. Yeah, once they get upstairs... There is a bet on how many jelly beans are in the container at Pam's desk. There is a bet that I think has a lot of side bets that involves Kelly and talking about Netflix and romantic comedies. Now this one's a little more involved. So I my understanding is the initial bet was how long could Ryan keep Kelly, if he asked Kelly, how does Netflix work? How long would she take to describe it? Right. A side bet would be how many times would she say awesome? And the other side bet seemed to be how many romantic comedies will she mention? Now, Ryan won on time. She took two minutes and 48 seconds to describe Netflix. Jim uh, won the side bet of romantic comedies and Pam won for the number of times she said awesome. These would be prop bets in prop in technical terms. Prop bets, yes. The last bet that we see is Creed was eating an apple. That, this isn't even a bet. Like no. I don't even. I guess is the bet. Would like, he I notice? Bet he won't notice. Yeah. 
Pam distracts him, and then Jim switches out the apple for a potato that Toby found in the kitchen. The result is that Karen realizes she's still an outsider. She has yet to win a bet. And this isn't the first time in this betting sequence that Karen is kind of put in her place, if you will. It's kind of a We're just made wrong to feel phrasing. awkward. Sure. After Jim wins the jelly bean count bet, Kevin kind of complains about the fact that Jim's up there all the time talking to Pam. So this would be some sort of unfair advantage he would gather. <laughs> yeah. As I, if he would have counted the jelly beans at some point. Or, or as if the number of jelly beans was not prote- changing. Yeah. Because the number, Jim guessed 50. Karen guessed 51. The number of jelly beans actually in the container was 49. So by default, because he's closest, although it must have been closest without going over. Was not Price's Right rules, clearly. Yes. Uh, Jim won and Kevin just kept going on and on about it by saying you spent hours and hours over years and years you're always up here and Jim's like okay but Karen that was just too much the fact that other people have noticed and are commenting on it is a bit much for Karen and that's all we see of the love triangle for this episode, but it's enough to sort of put some salt in the wound. So that's pretty much all that goes on in this episode. So let's go to the annex with Antoinette and find out any fun facts about this episode. This episode was written by BJ Novak. Um, I think he does a pretty good job. He gives himself some good one-liners. One of the suggestions in the office safety One of the suggestions that Toby gives in the upstairs training is to keep a cardigan or a sweater nearby in case you get cold. And Ryan chimes in, would a long sleeve tea work? And Toby's response is, well, really anything that'll warm you. When Dwight's telling everybody, hey, come outside, people's reaction is not concern for Michael. It's, is it nice outside? Like, do I need a jacket? And Dwight's saying, it's actually beautiful. It's gorgeous. Come on. And Ryan pipes in, well, I'd be fine in the long sleeve tee. So I don't know if that's like an inside joke thing or if that's just a running gag of this episode. The you ignorant slut line is uh, from an SNL skit. And that is actually, you can get like pillowcases for your throw pillows with Dwight, you ignorant slut stitch on it. In the DVD commentary for this episode, one of the showrunners, I think it might be Greg Daniels, talks about how that the episode was written and the scene where Jim and Pam discover the castle was, they were directed to play it as the thought that Jim and Pam are sort of like this divorced couple that has to come together for their child, Michael, and Karen's the kind of new partner on the outside because they've got to focus in on this former nuclear family like Jim and Pam are used to having to talk down Michael from things they have their own like rhythm to that and so that was how that was supposed to be played out I don't think I noticed it or viewed it like that when I saw it but I guess I could see what they're talking about yeah I don't think that came across 
on screen. Yeah. Um, and that's it for the annex. Curtis, what are you thinking for firings? Well, there's one for sure. And it's Michael for putting Daryl's well-being in danger by kicking the ladder out from under him as he was getting something from a shelf. Yeah, that is awful. It is Michael's 10th firing this season and his 23rd overall. Still going at 50% for the season. Yeah. And then this is something that, in the course of recording this, we kind of realized. I think we lose a lot of people here for gambling. I know that in any job that I've ever worked in, in the employee handbook that you have to read in your first week there or whatever, or take a test on, whatever the case may be, usually it says no gambling on company property. Yeah, and typically there's a reminder around March Madness time. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I think people kind of close their eyes to whatever that may be. Um, so, I don't know, what do you think? It's a tough one because they are actually gambling for real money right then um, on not things in the office, I would say, but just happenings. And they're taking time out of their work day to create situations to gamble on. Yeah, I didn't... Once you brought it up, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is kind of one of the situations they're talking about. I mean, I know they're also talking about sports betting and loan sharking, you know, just whatever, big-time gambling things. But the fact that it's happening in the office with a large contingency involved is problematic. Now, also problematic... Toby is involved. He is Correct. also betting here. So again, Toby remains the worst HR officer that we have ever known. And if they are fired, let's think about who this involves. Kevin and Jim for sure. Oscar, Karen. Pam, Ryan, Toby. Phyllis, because she throws down money when Kelsey... When Kelly is talking. Mm -hmm. And I believe Stanley. I don't know if Stanley ever did. We will have to tabulate who gets fired here. And we'll report back next week to give you the final numbers. Because this may be the episode <laughs> where everybody gets fired. Because we, we know that. So the people not involved. We know Dwight and Angela already been fired. Michael's obviously been long gone. Andy is not involved, and I don't believe he has been fired yet. I think you're right. I think anger management may have saved him. So, yeah, this it could be Andy and Stanley holding it down. And I know for a fact Stanley gets, gets fired here pretty soon. Kelly's already been fired, so even though we didn't see her partake in the gambling, she's already been out. So it, it could be one where we have lost a lot of people and, and it's hanging by a thread. Yeah, so we will update that next week. Do you have a Dundee to give out? 
I do, and it's a bit complicated, so hear me out. So the Dundee for one phrase, four degrees of separation, goes to from the office to seven days in hell. And let me explain. So the phrase is indubitably, which Michael utters when Pam asks, are you, so you're doing okay? Once he sort of gets the visual plan in place. And the linkage from this episode of The Office to Seven Days in Hell goes like this. Michael Schur is a showrunner and actor on The Office. He then was the showrunner for Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec had Andy Samberg as a guest star, as a very loud park ranger. And then Andy Samberg starred in the HBO made-for-TV comedy Seven Days in Hell that also starred Kit Harrington as a really dumb British tennis player. And Kit Harrington's character, that I'm blanking on his name right now, but it doesn't matter, goes on some sports talk show and the only phrase he repeats is indubitably because someone taught him that phrase because with the British accent, it made him sound smart. That's a good one. What's your Dundee? The On Tilt Award goes to Kevin, who, after losing his first bet to Jim, just continues to like push the envelope and make more bets and more bets and more bets. What is On Tilt? So On Tilt is, in gambling, let's say you lose a bet. And generally, you it's you lose it in a bad fashion. And so, like, in poker, it's you had the best hand going into the last card coming out on the river, and you're head-to-head with somebody or whatever, and then the last card comes out, and you lose that hand. Like, it's the only card that could have come out, and you lose that hand because of that last card. You then respond by maybe betting big on a hand that you wouldn't normally bet big on. Like so you're trying to make up your money immediately after losing this big hand and you're doing it as a reaction to losing that hand. Okay, gotcha. So Kevin loses his first bet and he continues to be like, no, let's, what about this? What about this? What about this? Because Kevin is the only one, pretty much the only person like taking part in all of these. Right. And we know Kevin's a big gambler. Right. And so, yes, Kevin clearly on tilt after that first loss. Okay. Who is your employee of the month? Uh, I'm going to give it to Lonnie. Um, if only because Patrice O'Neill does a great job in the limited time that he has on camera. Um, he is especially funny when they are in the warehouse and Michael continues to interrupt Daryl and, and Lonnie's just like, what is this man's problem? He's just, he's yelling at Michael and he's, he's, he is as fed up with Michael as everybody else is. Right. And he also coins the term fat butt syndrome, which is what the office workers uh, suffer from because they sit around all day. Sure. Who is your employee of the month? I picked Dwight uh, because he is just really funny in this episode as the hapless 
assistant, uh, loyal compadre to Michael just doesn't question anything, follows him blindly, does whatever he says. And we didn't convey at all, I don't think, in our recap of this episode, how funny it is. And part of that is just how Rain Wilson plays Dwight and plays some of these lines. Like, he talks up Michael jumping off the roof with an impromptu rock song that he, you know, is air guitaring on the roof. He, Rain Wilson also um, made up the hand gesture for shun and unshun, and I think had he not had that, it wouldn't put the point on the shun, unshun, you know, reshun uh, sort of thing with Andy. So that is my pick. So that does it for this week's episode. Please follow us on Twitter at DownsizingPod to get all the latest updates. And keep listening to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you are listening to us. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and comment wherever you can to keep getting our name out there. We appreciate you listening to us, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.